Welcome back to Pepe Sanchez. I'm Seth Allen. This is my secret basketball podcast that Pepe will never know about or else I will have to kill myself. Thanks for listening. Uh, obviously, I'm excited. The FIBA World Cup has come to an exciting conclusion. Uh, apologies for the last episode where I was trying to keep the noise volume down because my wife was asleep and, uh, and one person said it was, quote, too sexual. So, <laughs> you know, maybe you just need to deal with your own prude issues, you know, Sonny, you know, maybe you just need to open up a little bit, you know, maybe that's your problem, not my problem. I'm a sensual person. I'm a sexual being. <laughs> okay, this is good. Off the rails. Uh, yep, yeah, so I've just watched, just watched the, the replays of the, the final games of the tournament. Uh, Germany winning it all, of course. Dennis Schroeder named the, the most valuable player of the tournament. Um, and what I appreciate about uh, him the most is that after the game, he said this is the best team he's ever been on, which I took as a subtle and unnecessary jab at the Lakers, who he was on for their Western Conference Finals run. And I love that. That made me like Dennis a lot more, that he would take this moment to just give all LeBron and Tinseltown and Jack Nicholson and everybody a little, a little poke in the ribs, you know. And also, I think what he really means is this is the team where he got to rock the most. <laughs> he gets the ball the entire game. He gets to be MVP. Uh, Germany, very great team. Uh, you know, Franz, maybe one of the most in- underrated uh, player- players amongst NBA fans, in the NBA at least, how good he is. Uh, a very good team. Uh, uh, very big, you know. And I do think, though, when we start to talk about the Olympics, uh I, I gotta I don't wanna besmirch Dennis and the and the Wagner bros and Tice and Bonga and all my German friends who I know are big fans of the pod. Uh, but you know, of the final four teams at, at the World Cup, Germany was the only team that brought their full squad. Alright. Um, USA obviously went with their kind of developmental roster. Um Serbia, I didn't see it really reported much, but Serbia basically sent uh, mostly their B team as well. It wasn't just Jokic that was gone. I'll talk about that more later. Um, you know, Canada didn't have Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, you know. But congratulations to them, and congratulations to Dennis. I only hope that you carry this momentum forward and become a star NBA player for the Raptors and continue to trash the Lakers at every opportunity. Uh, my main Team USA take watching this whole tournament play out, um, Team USA can't, I, I don't think we can pretend anymore. The Team Team USA, and you know, they were thought of as a favorite going in, not like a heavy favorite, but a favorite. Uh, we need to just acknowledge that, that, that Team USA can't, cannot win the World Cup if they go all Rising Stars developmental squad. Uh, apologies to Bobby Portis, <laughs> but it's too ex- it's too extreme. I get that they want to use this as a chance to develop, you know, some younger players and get them at international experience and maybe get them ready for the big boy Olympic team. Um, but if the USA wants to win, I think they can still do they can still have it be developmental, but they need to bring one or two seniors if they actually want to win. Uh, team USA hasn't won a FIBA World Cup since 2014. Got seventh last time, getting fourth this time. Uh, but, you know, if you imagine this team 
with, um, you know, Devin Booker and Bam Adebayo. Like, that's a team that wins gold at the FIBA World Cup. You know, so I think if if they can, they can, they can, they went very extreme into the rising stars strategy. And I think if they just throw in a couple, you know, a couple continuity Olympic guys who would be willing to do it each time, uh, I think they, they would actually be able to win the World Cups. But maybe they don't give a shit, but they seem like they do. Um, although maybe not. For the for the bronze medal game, the USA only dressed nine players. And so you knew that wasn't going to be good. And and for a team that was already too small, uh, you know, can't rebound very well, not very good defense, to, to have their only the, – the guys they were – that were playing center for them who are not actually centers, neither one of them, uh, be out. You kind of knew it was going to be a struggle. It turned out to be a very fun game. That was a great game versus Canada. Uh, you know, <laughs> Dylan Brooks did this to you. He did it to our whole country. 39 points. He's a villain. He's the Takashi 6'9 of basketball. Uh, sometimes I enjoy it if I'm in the right mood. Usually I just despise it. Today I enjoyed it for some reason. I don't know. I'm in a good mood. You know, it's Sunday. I watched the replay. I had a good breakfast. You know, I, <laughs> and then I was able to enjoy him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I am hyped for the possibility of a Team Canada versus Team USA rivalry coming out of this. I think that's been a thing that has been had potential, you know, like we've thought about, but we could actually be moving towards that. Like, imagine if USA and Canada agreed to do uh, home and homes every summer, friendly exhibitions with their national team. You know, Team USA, Vegas, and maybe we do, then we play in Canada, Toronto, maybe go Team USA, New York, Canada, and Vancouver, just kind of bounce around. That could be so much fun uh, every summer. And in Canada's elite, man, like this, this is a, a great, a great showing for them. They'll be back at the Olympics. Uh, but I want to shit on Steve Kerr. That's the important thing today. Uh, <laughs> Steve Kerr, all right, going into this tournament, everyone who you didn't even need to have watched any of the exhibition games, the warm-up games. You saw, you looked at the roster, you saw there's not really a center here. There's not really any plus rebounders here. The Team USA is going to be a little small, uh, which uh, FIBA history has shown is bad. It's very bad to be small in FIBA. Um, you know, and, and Steve Kerr went out and he's like, no, you know, we got, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great, you know, rim protector, even though he doesn't really play center, but he's going to be the center. Uh, he averaged 2.8 rebounds per game for Team USA in this tournament. That's kind of bad from your starting center. Not ideal, right? And then they had Paolo playing backup center, also not a center, even even further away from being a center uh, than JJJ. Uh, so you just knew that this roster had that weakness, even just looking at it. And it turned out to be true. And the thing I, I couldn't stop thinking about is, you know, Kirk did get some heat for not playing Walker Kessler, but Kessler's very young. When he played, he he looked okay at for parts of the of the uh, gold uh, the bronze medal game. Uh, but yeah, maybe he should have been working him in more, so he would have been had a chance to you know gain some confidence and some rhythm uh, instead of just keeping him basically until an emergency happened and he had to use him. He did try some spot minutes against Lithuania when they were getting, you know, beat up down low and that he didn't look great in there. But, uh, Kerr, this is one of my favorite Kerrball moments, all right? Steve Kerr, okay, let's talk about hubris 
in the digital panopticon. All right, Steve <laughs> Kerr, he has a way he likes to play. Everyone knows this, right? It works extremely well when you have Steph Curry and Draymond Green, all right? But he doesn't flex his style or his beliefs a whole lot, right? Um, you know, I remember even when the Warriors had KD and they could beat anybody anytime without really doing much, you know, they still, like, wouldn't do the Curry-Durant pick-and-roll, even though every time they, it was just, like, the most unstoppable play in basketball history, right? He's like, no, I don't like to play that way. We like to flow. We like mindfulness and joy, right? And, he, and we like to go small. And so Kerr loves – he's I – don't, I don't know if this is, like, dogmatic, but when he, when he gets stressed – he doubles down instead of just adjusting to what the game's telling him to adjust to, right? It's like, so this game, the Team USA Canada game, it was, if you haven't watched it, I would recommend watching it, even though you know the outcome, because it was a really fun game. It was a great game. Shea, Dylan Brooks, Anthony Edwards had some amazing plays, Bridges. It was a really fun game, right? The game is tied at 98 with four minutes left. And Kerr, four minutes left, this is for a medal, Right, and Kerr puts in this lineup of Austin Reeves, Josh Hart, Anthony Edwards, Mikel Bridges, and Halliburton. Now, if you're waiting for me to name someone taller than six six, I've already named five people. All right, and the FIBA refs can be wacky, but they they just did not allow him to put a sixth guy out there. That's that's a guy who uh, believes. Maybe he believes he knows the game better than the game knows itself. Because instead of kind of making the obvious adjustments, Kerr's instinct is always to double down on what he likes. And I don't know if you want to call that hubris or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously he's had plenty of success with that. But, you know, maybe he should recognize that you don't always have Steph Curry and Draymond Green to kind of make that thing work. You know what I mean? Um, really... Uh, stubborn with lineups too like it became clear over i'm not saying anything that's like special insight that halliburton was much was more effective than jalen brunson right that team usa was getting off to slow starts every game and having to come back all right which happened again against canada right it made the the easiest grade school basketball coach would put Halliburton in, would promote Halliburton over Jalen Brunson, right? Steve Kerr wouldn't. He's stubborn. He likes to go into, he likes to be right. I mean, for all, this is a classic Silicon Valley bullshit mindfulness and joy when it's all, when it's actually a bunch of ego underneath, right? Steve Kerr wants to be right, right? And I'm watching Winning Time on HBO and it's reminding me so much of how they're portraying uh, Paul Westhead being the coach of the Lakers and making them run his system, which he calls the system. And yeah, it works, but it's not making the most. It's not getting the most out of their talent that they actually have. And so eventually he gets fired, and then his assistant Pat Riley, who's like, "Oh, why don't I just let these? Why don't I adjust to what my players are?" And then Pat Riley, of course, wins a championship. <laughs> Spoilers, and he's going to win a bunch more championships with that team and that philosophy, right? So. This kind of reminded me of that. I was like, is this, is Steve Kerr having a Westhead moment here? All right. Uh, that that 6'6 six, six and under lineup he did in crunch time, <laughs> he did it again in overtime. 
<laughs> it's like, dog, what are you doing? And I heard a lot leading up to this, the the sources that I read, the, the media people that I read, they were calling this the Team USA coaching staff of Kerr, uh, you know, Spolstra, uh, Ty Lue, uh, Mark Few. They were calling this the greatest coaching staff in Team USA history. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. Because although they were not like heavy favorites in this tournament, they were still favorites. They still have more talent than anyone. Yeah, they don't got centers and shit. Or whatever, but like, also they could have probably done that differently. But also the adjustments didn't happen. The roster going in wasn't right. Um, the greatest coaching staff in history, dude. Latvia outcoached you, you genius, genius Steve Kerr. All right, Latvia's coach is better than him. All right, so get out of here with this nonsense. And one of the things they're talking about, one of the things that uh, FIBA World Cup is about, is you know, seeing who can earn their way onto the Olympic squad, right? Who from the from the from the up and comers who aren't like the obvious ones, like the Kevin Durant's and Steph Curry's, who who from that group is going to earn their earn a spot on Team USA? Start that conversation with motherfucking Steve Kerr. All right. To me, Steve Kerr proved that maybe he shouldn't be in Paris coaching this team. All right. And guess who's on the bench? Oh, old Eric Spolstra. A guy who tends to be extremely good at making adjustments during games, who will who will change his lineups to fit what what needs to be done. A man who listens to the game. <laughs> it's like in Winning Time. He is the he, Spo is the Pat Riley character from Winning Time right now. All right, uh, but because but ooh, are you gonna have the balls to fire Steve Kerr? Can Grant Hill fire Steve Kerr? Because that would be remarkable. Um, I'm sure they would negotiate something where Steve Kerr, you know, has uh, has headaches or something and can't travel or something with the team or has decided that, you know, family time. It's funny how none of these dudes care about their families until shit fucks up professionally for them. Oh, no, now I care about my family. Okay, good. Well, stay home, Steve. But I think, I mean, honestly, it's a very valid question, you know, um, Greatest coaching staff in history. Ugh. Steve Kerr taking that stinky, stinky L in front of FIBA ambassador Carmelo Anthony and the whole world. Woo, boy. Spo on the bench laughing. Uh, <laughs> I did see Spo laughing a couple times. I don't know. I never know what it was about. But he was back there chuckling. He seemed to be having a good time for himself. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, another thing, just a big takeaway from the tournament, I think, is... Um, Austin Reeves is so uh, this is I've never I don't know if I've seen this before where a player is simultaneously seems to be rising and coming into their stardom while also simultaneously getting exposed <laughs> with a huge flaw and you know Reeves you know I think he did he he will be on Paris I'm pretty sure he just he helps them a lot um, but man by the end of this tournament he was a hunted man every time he was on the court, all right? Lithuanian randos posting him up, sticking their tongues out at him. You know, and so much, and then, you know, Canada targeted him too. Everyone just started tar- targeting Reeves, who's who's not a bad perimeter defender, but when you physical, just physical him up, back him down, you know? And he was getting t- exploited quite a bit. 
Um, and I was thinking about how good that is for the Lakers sucking because their squad is very dependent on him rising, you know, becoming a like an all-star level player. Like that's their that gives them their window is that they have a big three of AD LeBron. LeBron's going to keep slowly, you know, he's still LeBron, but he's not LeBron LeBron. And they need Reeves to raise up and like do that playmaking and all that stuff. And hmm, when you think about, I don't think it will be a huge deal in the NBA regular season. But when you think about uh, the postseason, when teams dial in more, make adjustments more, Reeves is, I guarantee you, a lot of NBA teams watch this tournament and we're like, mm hmm. I'll see you in the Lakers in the playoffs. We're going to see a lot of guys clearing it out, posting up Reeves real quick. A lot of guys getting the switch and just start turn around and just start backing him down, you know. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. And it hurts the Lakers, so, you know, humanity wins uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, my other big thing is, you know, I watched a lot of Slovenia. You know, you got to. It's fun. But uh, Luca, I just – he really needs, like, psilocybin therapy. I think he needs structured psychedelics into his brain to try to get – it won't change him completely, but to try to get the edge off this referee obsession that he has. And guys who are like that are just like that. It's not because he's young. He's not that young anymore. There's, it's guys like he has the thing, same personality thing that like a Draymond has, I think, where it's just going to boil over. But it's more incessant. I guess because he has the ball more maybe, and he's just like, there are entire possessions where Dylan Brooks is in his face bumping him while Luka's dribbling the ball, and Luka is not even looking to make a play. He is literally staring at the ref, bringing the ball down the court, right? And he doesn't get back on defense. He just, it's like, it's its annoying to watch him. Uh, it hurts his team. And it's weird to say he's like, you know, he'll be first team all NBA for a long time being like this. But man, if he could just not be like that, he would be so much better, even if it's just to watch, (laughs) even just aesthetically. So I recommend either he, you know, comes to Oregon, takes some mushroom therapy. It's legal here now. You know, get get that in you, you know, work, (laughs) work on on soothing, whatever that is. Or maybe you should hit up Dirk's uh, German guru guy who took him on a walkabout after he lost the finals. Maybe you should go on a walkabout. Maybe we can combine. Maybe some ayahuasca. Luca needs. I think Luca needs a lot of chemical help. He needs his third eye to open, right? Uh, so he can. So he can just chill out. Um, my favorite, like new moment of the of the tournament. The the I always like watching stuff like this because someone new steals my heart. And the, the, the Seth's heart stealer, heart throb of the tournament. Zagar is from Latvia, number 55. I'm assuming that's a Jason Williams reference. I know that's a lot to assume, but I like I like it, so I'm going to do it. I'm calling him Latvian chocolate. Their, their point guard, 23 years old, has been injured a lot in his youth development phase of his career. Uh, so he's in this tournament. He's, he got second team all tournament, which, by the way, no USA player did. And he... Uh, doesn't have a contract. He's up for grabs. La- his last team was playing for Dennis Schroeder's shitty German professional club, Broschwig or whatever. And he was like coming off the bench because he was hurt, trying to get better, trying to get right. And so now he has this tournament. He balls out in front of ev- everybody. Latvia is incredible. He set the single game record for assists, 17 in a game. 
could really handle anything, shot the ball from three really well, uh, everything, you know, the NBA wants. Uh, and so the conversation, you know, I think it, uh, it becomes like, I wonder if an NBA team's gonna, gonna bring over all Zagars, you know, that would be fun. I'd be down with it. Uh, that would be extremely fun. There's also these weird moments in FIBA. Like I was just watching, uh, Italy versus Slovenia and it's okay. It's both teams final game for whatever that was like for seventh place or something. And Italy's down one. It's, it's getting towards the end of the game. It's a heated game. They still want to win this. So these like uh, consolation games in FIBA actually do matter because they determine seeding for the um, pre-qualifying wild card Olympic spots. So you do still want to get you know seventh instead. You know if you can get seventh because that help that gives you a better seeding for the for the next part. If you, it gives you a better chance to still make it to the Olympics, right? So. The teams still play hard, and so, you know, it's a tight game. Italy's down one, and then uh, Italy does a very in- intentional foul on Luca. Not intentional like unsportsman, like intentional like polite. Hello, referee. I'm going to tap him in this way so you can call a foul. And I was like, what's going on? And it was to stop the game so that Luigi Datome uh, could have his his moment, because you know you may remember he was briefly in the NBA. He, he, if you watch international, he's been a team Italy fixture for years. Um, and this was his last game. He's finally retiring. Uh, the beard's not a hint of gray in there that I saw. Still, still dark, you know, looks like, looks, looks good, strong, but this is his last game. He's probably 58 years old. Um, and they wanted him to have his moment, even though this was like a heated game that, that has some of some consequence, um, they did that. So he, they, they did the foul cause he was getting subbed out for the, for the last time was they were going into like the final three minutes of the game. Uh, and both teams gave an ovation. The fans gave an ovation. He got to do his, you know, slow walk off, waving, kissing, you know, waving his hands thing that they do. And, uh, it was a really nice moment that I didn't even, that I was very confusing. Uh, <laughs> And uh, for me at first, and then became very, very heartwarming. It's one of the fun reasons I like to I like to watch these games. Uh, the other one definitely, uh, I mean, the moment of the tournament is probably South Sudan qualifying for the Olympics. Only been a country since 2011. Had a lot of war. Team made up of, of players who had mostly been displaced by the war. Luol Deng coming back, using his own money, getting that team together, uh, qualifying for the Olympics. That's just amazing. That's like, uh, there's amazing stuff happening at the World Cup. I'm gonna, I already miss it. I just finished it today and I already miss it, you know. Um, let's talk more about Team USA, uh, the Olympics, uh, who I think, you know, made their case and will be in Paris from this team. Obviously, Edwards, who is, who's uh, on the first team all tournament team and the, and the star of this team. I also think uh, Halliburton definitely with how how good he was and they need guys who are not just scorers you know they need defenders who move the ball a lot on this team um Halliburton is honestly I became a huge Halliburton stand watching this tournament I'm gonna I'm probably gonna watch a lot more Pacers this year than I was going to otherwise I think they're on national tv once maybe <laughs> but you know with the Blazers tanking and all that I'll, I'll check in a lot of Pacers Pacers games this year they're gonna be fun um Bridges was great this tournament. You know, he Bridges wins the really won the USA a lot of games as just like 
they would just put him on the other team's point guard. And in the international game, just straight up, there's a lot of point guards that just can't. They just if you put bridge like a someone like Bridges to just pressure them 94 feet, the game is over already. They can't. They struggle so much just getting into anything, right? And then they have to try to figure out something else. Um, Bridges also hit that amazing shot to send the game to overtime. He's just he's great. He's gonna be he's gonna be on the Paris team, and Reeves as well. Even though you know I'll <laughs> I'll take him down to the post. Uh, Reeves, I think he's gonna get a lot of a. He's gonna he's gonna get a lot of like two small gestures at him in next year's playoffs uh, unless he figures something new out. But um, you know what he meant on off how well he played with Halliburton and how he also has that thing where he can he can just move the ball, he could make plays, he could score, he could pass, he does it all like kind of just like keeps the flow going. He'll be there. Um, so those were really like those were my four that I'm like they these four on there for sure i think probably too um i think ben carroll will probably be there just steve kerr loves that man he loves that man um and i think also the the paris team is probably gonna have a, a centers <laughs> so he'll be even better there where he could you know play or maybe he'll still keep him as a backup five he's steve kerr stubborn uh, also jalen brunson is another kerr guy uh so i expect him to be there too um you know and that's six um, again, I don't think Kerr should be there necessarily. Uh, but, you know, and if you're thinking of, you know, is this panic time for Team USA? Not really because, you know, Team USA dominates, dominates the Olympics. I mean, it, it, and there's a reason for that. Okay, we're going to have, you know, this time there's like, oh, there's a problem with the center position, right? No good American centers, uh, no really great options. Kessler's not quite ready. Um, you know, Jared Jackson Jr. is a uh, forward who doesn't rebound. Banquero's really like a perimeter player. Um, in the Olympics, they'll have Anthony Davis, they'll have Bam Adebayo. It's it's going to be fucking fine, right? Um, uh, also, I think we'll have Bam, AD, Steph Curry, KD, Jason Tatum. LeBron has indicated with his eyeball emojis that he plans to be there, which I kind of wish he would He would give someone else that chance but if i think if lebron is going to be there he's going to be there and if if he's going to want to be there he's going to be there and if he's going to be there he's going to play so we're talking a starting lineup of probably maybe steph tatum kd bam no maybe steph what what does the starting lineup be steph uh tatum lebron ad bam yeah maybe maybe um Steph, Tatum, KD, LeBron, AD. Yeah, I like that. I mean, nobody's really fucking with that, let's be honest. Um, except my early uh, non-Team USA favorite in the Olympics is Serbia, man. I didn't hear a single – I mean, I only read American coverage of this, I guess, but I didn't see anyone mentioning that Serbia sent their B team to this tournament, and they made the final, right? There was like six or seven guys that would normally be on the team that weren't. And one of them is, yes, Jokic, the best player in the world. So they're missing that guy. Um, but, they're, <laughs> but they're also uh, missing Micic, who is their starting point guard normally. He, he's a great player in Europe. He just signed with the OKC Thunder, so he'll be in the NBA next season. Um, other like names an NBA fan would recognize that weren't on the team, Teodosic. Pokusev, Boban, um, 
this is another thing I didn't realize or I didn't see see reported that much is a uh, one of the players that Serbia brought to this team uh, brought to this tournament lost a kidney in an early game. He he's off the team. He's out because he had to get his kidney removed because a dude elbowed him so hard in the kidney. So his kidney is gone, and so he was gone. So Serbia overcame a lot of uh, adversity um, to get all the way to second place. That's amazing. And Bogdanovich obviously balled out, and Jovic, future trailblazer, looked great. And, you know, they have a lot of guys who are – strong defensive like just very solid players and they i think they have some interesting personnel choices to make for the olympics because these guys were cooking man and you know maybe maybe some of those old standards need to take maybe they put them to the side to let some of these some more new blood onto the olympic team i don't know i think they did they did very good for having six or seven dudes gone all right i mean yeah, so I would consider the the top Paris contenders at this point. I'm gonna go Team USA one. I'm gonna go Serbia two. Um, I'm gonna go. This is where it gets tough. I'll go Canada three because Canada. You know, I don't know if you a fellow Jamal Murray who wasn't on their team who. Uh, Canada has this interesting thing with their national team where you have to commit to three year, consecutive years of play to be considered for the team. So I don't know if that means like Matherin won't can't be there or is not eligible or if they'll make start making exceptions to that already. Uh, but I think Jamal Murray qualifies because he's been like going through the workouts and stuff with them. And then he just decided his health wasn't ready this year. So he didn't go. Um, so I think, but Jamal Warrior will definitely, I would assume, be there. So we'll have, they'll have the best backcourt in the world with Shea and Jamal Murray. And we've already seen the emergence of the supervillain FIBA Dylan Brooks is a supervillain of FIBA basketball and just a regular villain of NBA, more of a clown, <laughs> it seems, of NBA basketball. Uh, but he'll be there, you know, Kelly Olenek, Dwight Powell, the whole thing. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go in order USA, Serbia. Canada, Germany, all right, that's a hot four, and then uh, I don't know if like Spain and France are truly as done as they looked in this tournament, uh, Spain was also missing a couple guys, obviously like Ricky Rubio wasn't there, Lorenzo Brown, famous famous Spaniard Lorenzo Brown couldn't make the tournament, so Spain had significant significant players that were absent, also the key key perimeter like ball handling guys. Um, uh, Latvia, ooh, with Porzingis, yeah. But I'm gonna go okay. USA, Serbia, Canada, Germany, uh, Spain. All right, uh, and then. You know, we what uh, what's next in FIBA is like, okay, so there's 8 out of 12 Olympic spots have been taken. All right. 7 from how teams did in this World Cup. The 8th is France, the host country. They get a free spot. Four spots left. <clears throat> so they are playing. They've played in these, like, other tournaments to try to get one of four wild card spots. So that's the tournament you may have seen that the Bahamas won in Argentina. That was to get to the wild card tournament. So, you know, that was like uh, there's teams and teams that 
you know, got knocked out of this tournament early, like Latvia and Lithuania, they'll be in those two. So right before the Olympics start, in Ju- the, it'll be the Olympics are in August, I think, of 2024. In July, there is like a 12-team wild card tournament for the last four spots. All right. And there are some amazing teams that are going to be. So Latvia is going to be there who did so good without Porzingis. All right. So they got my man Zagars and they'll have Porzingis back. Assumingly Slovenia will be there with Luca. Spain uh, will probably be in there. You think, I think the Bahamas, you know, now that they're stocking up with Eric Gordon and Aiton and healed and all these NBA players, I heard they may be trying to get some more. Uh, the Dominican Republic is still eligible to get there with towns uh montenegro is so good poland croatia there's like there's a ton of good teams left to and it will be all really good teams that get those final four spots so really when i'm thinking about the favorites for the olympics i named like i think there's like two top dogs and then there's a tier of like a few like other people that i that could get in there too it's gonna be amazing um congratulations to everyone who listened to this podcast i don't know what's wrong with you uh, more people seem to be doing it. Um, so I think my takeaways here, let's all go take some um, psilocybin therapy with Luca. Let's come back. <laughs> let's calm down our inner our inner beasts, our inner childs a little bit. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think the next episode, I'll probably do a Pac-12 hospice season preview uh, with some special guests, first ever guests. We shall see. Thank you. Hey, Seth Allen, all platforms.